As you turn there, just need to mention, I'm just so thankful. Uh, we've, got, uh, we've got a number of things, C- circumstances, situations where people in the church are hurting. And I am so grateful that I get to see from my perspective as a pastor, people coming alongside people that are hurting and struggling. And I'm very, very grateful for that. I'm grateful also for many who are struggling exhibiting a deep trust in Jesus. And what a great model that is for the rest of us to watch somebody walking through struggle yet trusting in Jesus. And uh, so good to be a part of a church for many reasons, including that one. We've been doing this series. Normally, we start at the beginning of a book of the Bible and we work our way through to the end. But following Easter, we've been doing this short six-week series. We're in week five this week and we've been just walking through the gospel essentials. Okay? Gospel just means good news. What, are, what is the essential stuff, the stuff that we don't have the gospel if we don't have this? That's what we've been looking at. We spent three weeks really looking at some good news and then a predicament. This idea that we as sinners before a holy God who must judge sin are in need of saving. And then last week we really turned a corner and looked at this passage in Romans chapter 3. Some say the greatest paragraph ever written. And it began with these glorious words, but now. And so we spent some time last week looking at what we called gospel essential number four, and that is this, only through faith in Jesus can sinners be justified by God and saved from his wrath. The focus in the passage last week was on the death of Jesus and what is accomplished for all who trust in him through the death of Jesus. This week, we turn and look at the resurrection of Jesus and what is accomplished in all who believe through the resurrection of Jesus for us. And in this, we're going to see that we are people then who can live with hope now and forever if we are people who have been born again through faith in Jesus. So, We need hope. Uh, We really do. There are situations and circumstances that would potentially or could potentially lead us to become more and more hopeless, right? We need hope because marriage is hard. We need hope because singleness is hard. We need hope because parenting is hard. We need hope because work is hard. We need hope because turning on the news and seeing what's going on around us is hard. We need hope because turning off the news is hard. So where do we turn for hope? How do we live with hope both now and forever in this world, in this body? It's not a new question, and so we're going to turn to the book of 1 Peter today. In the first century, the Holy Spirit inspired Peter, who was one of Jesus' closest friends, one of his disciples, to write down this letter. And this letter was intended to be a a, a letter that would be circulated between a number of churches, believers that were scattered throughout what is now modern-day Turkey. And the believers scattered in that area were experiencing kind of the first wave of persecution and the suffering that came with it. But what was about to take place was greater persecution and greater suffering. And so the Holy Spirit inspires Peter to write this letter. And my one sentence summary of the letter of 1 Peter is this. When trials come, Christians stand firm in God's grace. When trials come, Christians stand firm in God's grace. 
Paul addresses, sorry, Peter addresses these people in kind of a unique way in verses 1 and 2. He refers to them as elect exiles. So the good news is they're elect. They're chosen by God to be adopted as his own, but they're exiles. They're living in a world that's not their home, and it doesn't feel like home many times, and for them, they would probably say amen to that. They feel out of place because of their faith in Jesus. They're in right standing with God, but that's caused them to fall out of favor with everybody around them. So that's who Peter's writing to, and they're having a tough go of it. Today, we're going to look at just three verses that immediately follow the greeting. So 1 Peter chapter 1, we're looking at verses 3 through 5. And I think we who are experiencing trials, or maybe we who, exp- or who are like looking at the horizon and seeing maybe more trials and suffering on the way, we want to be people who live with hope. And I think we're told how that comes about here in this passage. So, uh, big idea of this passage argument from here that I'm going to be making, and we'll call this gospel essential number five is this. Through Jesus' resurrection, all who are born again live with hope now and forever. Our custom is, if, is uh, that if you're able, we stand as we read the Word of God. So would you stand? And uh, you're not going to be standing for long today. It's just three short verses. Uh, let's pray first. We need God's help. Uh, and so let's look at verses 3 through 5. Father, uh, help us with this. Uh, help us, help me with this. I, I'm so grateful for the times in my life that this very passage has been used by you in times where I felt not all that much hope, that you have used this passage to, to well hope up in me. I thank you that we can live with a hope that's not based on the things that the world bases their hope on. And so God, would you stir up our hearts, our minds, that our, our hope uh, would be recharged, not because we hear a, a maybe inspiring message, but because of what the message says about who you are, what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will do. Our hope is in you. And so we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5, the word of the Lord says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Amen. You can be seated. Just a note about the structure of this before we dive right in. You'll notice that it begins with this phrase, blessed or praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That might seem a little out of place in a letter written to people who are suffering and who are told more suffering's about to come, but Peter begins with this expression of praise. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he's not going to ignore suffering. Just read the rest of the paragraph. In fact, I would love to preach the whole thing, but I would preach too long. Uh, But Verses 3 through 12 in Greek, the the Bible, the New Testament, originally written in Greek. Verses 3 through 12 in Greek, all one sentence. Paul can't even like stop for a period. 
He's just got to keep going as he talks about these privileges that belong to the people of God and the reason that the people of God should be praising God even in the midst of their suffering and persecution. So we're just going to look at verses 3 through 5. Inside your bulletin we have a sermon notes page and a life group guide. If that's helpful for you to take notes or at least look at it to follow along if you get lost, um, that might be helpful for you as well. You'll see in that sermon notes page that I've just arranged the, the, the sermon as the passage is arranged. That I think primarily Paul begins by reminding us of the hope that we have because of what's happened in the past. So we'll look at verse 3. Here's what's happened in the past that is the basis for our hope. Then we'll look at verse 4. Here's what's going to happen in the future, and this tells us of the certainty of our hope. And then here's what's happening in the present, the sustaining power for our hope. So that's the outline for the sermon today. And as we walk through that, we're going to pause at the end of each of those verses and look at one important application question that goes along with each of them. So that's the plan for today. Let's get to work looking at God's Word. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then there's this word that showed up in verse 3. It's actually two words. Living hope. And so I started looking around the rest of the Bible. Where else do we see that? You know where else we see that? Nowhere, right? Nowhere else in the Bible do we see those two things put together, living hope. So what is a living hope? I looked it up in one of my, so I'm not super smart, I just have good books, right? Uh, and so I looked it up in one of my Greek resources, and here's what it said there. A living hope is a hope never extinguished by untold circumstances, just as living waters flow fresh from a perennial spring. So common in Scripture is this idea of living water, not water just kind of stagnant, but water that continues to flow fresh from a perennial spring. It just keeps coming. And that's the phrase that Peter uses here, but not with water, but with hope. How, how do we have, so, so he's, he's talking about a hope that just keeps coming, even though all sorts of things would threaten it, it's a hope that just keeps on going. Not like most of the time when you, we use the word hope, it's really like maybe kind of hopes, right? It's hope that might go up and might come down based on circumstances, like the hope that Cubs, ha Cubs fans have every spring that eventually diminishes as summer wears on, right? Hope that comes and goes based on how they're doing. We have all sorts of those hopes in our life, hopes that come and go based on how things are going. But that's not what Paul's, or Peter is talking about here, right? He's talking about living hope. Hope that just keeps flowing regardless of the circumstances. And you might say, I want me some of that. Well, how, how do we get that? Let's look to who that comes. It says, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So where does this living hope come from? How do we get it? Or another way to say it, what is the basis of it? Well, here Peter looks to the past for two major events. If you want to be a person who has living hope, two things must have happened in the past. One is you're born again to a living hope. 
this would have been in the more near past, right? Sometime in your lifetime, you would have had to be one who has experienced this being born again. Okay, well, if that's what's required, then how do we get that? Well, it says, according to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again. Right? Being born again, or another word, is regenerated. This is a work that God must do. I can't cause myself to be born, just like I couldn't cause myself to be born the first time. I can't cause myself to be born again. This is a supernatural work of God, and so that's why it says He caused us, according to His mercy, He caused us to be born again. It's according to God's mercy and God's will. All of us were born once, but we're born with a sinful nature. That's a problem that all of us, universally, we all face that problem. And we are spiritually dead, lifeless, and we need to be supernaturally made alive, born again. And this is a work that God can and must do. But then there's another thing it's based on that's from the more distant past. Now, it wasn't very distant when Peter's writing this letter in the first century, but now in the 21st century, it seems much more distant, and that is the historical reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Do you see that there? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our hope to be born again in our lifetime is based on the fact that Jesus, who was put to death, was raised from the dead. The same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead can come and dwell in us to to cause us to be born again through faith in Jesus. Okay, so there's this, this, this like thing dangling out there. I want living hope. That's what I want. I don't want hope that goes up and down based on how my week is going, how my day is going, how this season of life is going. I want living hope. Well, this living hope comes to whom? To those who, according to God's mercy, he is caused to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. That brings us to just pause then and ask an application question. And that simple one is this, have I been born again? Because there's two things that are required, right, to have a living hope. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead. We already know for sure that has happened. So the lingering question for us is, well then, have I been born again? Being born again or regenerated is one of the many things that happens at the moment of our conversion. Right? Being born again, we repent and trust in Jesus, and we are immediately, last week we talked about being justified. That happens at that same moment. We are adopted. We go from being orphaned to being adopted as one of his own. We go from being dead to being alive in a moment. We go from sinner, unrighteous before God, to justified, declared righteous before God. All of these things happen in the moment of our conversion. Some of you might get uneasy, though, because when I ask a question like, have I been born again, you think of the stories of people who you have heard who can tell you, here is my conversion moment, and I can tell you the day and the time and the circumstances and everything, and then you're like, well, when you're asking me, have I been born again, you get a little uneasy and insecure thinking, well, I don't know when that moment was for me. So am I really born again? How do I know if I'm really born again? Well, maybe asking a different question might help. If I asked you this question, how do you know if you were really born? 
Well, one way for you to prove that would be to go and, uh, you know, maybe in a safe somewhere, you've got a birth certificate, and you can take it out, and you can show me the birth certificate. I know I was really born because I have this birth certificate. It's got the date. It's got the time. It's got the location. Everything's right on there. See, I have been born. And that would work. You could show me in that way. But I think the probably simpler way to show that you've been born is to say, well, (laughs) like, I'm alive. I'm right here, right? Here I am. I know that I've been born because I am alive. Likewise, if you ask me, how do I know if I've been born again? I think one of the ways that we could figure that out is we could, without knowing the exact circumstances and date and everything that goes along with that one moment, although it does happen in one moment, but maybe you don't remember that moment or you can't pinpoint it, maybe you can at least say, well, I I don't know exactly when, but I'm alive. I once was lost, but now I'm fine. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was dead, but no, now I know I am alive. And so you might ask yourself questions like this. These just come out of the book of 1 John. The book of 1 John, by the way, was written. He says why it was written at the end of the book, that you may know that you have eternal life. And so these are some questions that you can ask right from that book. Do you see a growing love for others and for God? Do you admit and confess sin? Do you obey God? Do you notice a decreasing pattern of sin, pattern of sin and an increasing hunger for God? These are some questions that you can ask yourself if you're trying to determine, well, am I, am I alive? Have I been born again? Am I one of these people who can have a living hope through being born again? And let me just say this, if you have not been born again, you cannot experience living hope. Your hope will come and go based on circumstances. I just echo what Jesus said in John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus talking to Nicodemus said this, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then later in verse 7, he just said simply, you must be born again. So if you're not sure, you want to have more conversation about that, that's the conversations I love to have. Let's talk about that. But if you have been born again to a living hope, then we should say with Peter, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Peter is writing this letter to people who are born again. The challenge is that they're living in a world with very difficult circumstances. Persecution is ramping up. They're already suffering. More suffering is coming. Right? So, so if they're trying to look ahead, what's it going to be like? Like They're not putting their hope in, I hope it's going to get better like in three months. I hope it's going to get better like you know, after midterm election. Like Their hope is not there. And so what do they see when they look to the future? Well, Peter's going to remind them of how they're to look to the future. Look at verse 4. This is point number two, future, the certainty of our hope. How can they be certain about the future hope? Well, they're born again to two things. One is a living hope, and then two, verse four. Two, so they're born again to a living hope in verse three, and also in verse four, to an inheritance. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Peter's reminding them of what is still to come. Those who have been born again, those who have been saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus, our salvation is not yet complete until we receive our future inheritance, a life forever with Jesus. 
And so he uses three adjectives to describe this. Did you see the three adjectives? Imperishable. That is something that won't decay. You've all probably opened up your refrigerator before and found that not everything you put in your refrigerator is imperishable. It's very perishable, right? Like you look at it and you remember maybe what that used to be and it doesn't look anything like that anymore because it is perished, right? But an inheritance is being kept for all those who trust in Jesus that is imperishable. And then the next word it has there is undefiled. That means not contaminated. And unfading means it won't decline over time. Now, we wonder, like, how is that possible? Because everything we know about stuff is that over time it just gets worse. It's perishable, defiled, and fading. And so for these people that Peter's writing to, there were great economic costs to be a Christian. That's kind of how the persecution started. Like, by them putting their allegiance with Jesus, other people would just not do business with them. And so economically, it became very hard initially. They had little hope to hold on to all of the things that they would love to hold on to that might give them security. So how is it when everything's being taken away from them that Peter can say, you have an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled and unfading. That sounds really good to them. That sounds really good to us. Well, how are we going to get that? Well, the good news is it's, it's where it's kept right now. <laughs> it's kept in heaven for you. Like if it's up to me to hold on to all of this, if it's up to my refrigerator, if it's up to me to hold on, like it's not going to last long. But the good news about our inheritance is it's kept in heaven for you. You can't mess it up. The fullness of your salvation will be experienced not in this broken world, but when we are with Jesus forever. So, question number two is simply this. Am I longing for heaven? Am I putting all my stock in here, what is perishable and fading and corrupted? Or am I putting my hope in heaven? Am I longing for heaven? My grandpa was not rich when he died. He spent his life as a cabinet maker and expert woodworker, so he had some tools. But I think my grandpa's most prized possession was his pickup. It was a 2000 Chevy Silverado that he special ordered. And the reason he special ordered this pickup is because he said everything at the dealership four-wheel drive. And he was in the Army and, and served over in Asia for a while. I drove up trucks up in the mountains with two-wheel drive. I don't need four-wheel drive, right? So he had to special order a two-wheel drive pickup. And I remember him agonizing over what color because he could pick any color he wanted. And so he decided he's going with light pewter. Uh, and Kirsten remembers, this is like when Kirsten and I were just meeting each other, like, man, your grandpa talks a lot about this pickup, his light pewter two-wheel drive Chevy Silverado, right? And it was, a, it was a beautiful truck that he put a topper on. Uh, and when my grandpa died, his earthly possessions were split up among kids and grandkids. He didn't take anything with him, right? And I have some clamps in my garage. I don't know what to do with them, but I got clamps in my garage. 
my parents inherited the Silverado. It looked sharp in 2000 when my grandpa special ordered it. 22 years later, my parents still have it. They don't really drive it out of town much, and it would be classified as perishing, defiled, and fading. Right? That happens to all of our stuff. Not just big things like farm equipment and homes, but even our own bodies. Perishing, defiled, and fading. Can I get an amen from some old people today, right? I mean, right? We feel it, don't we? And when I say old people, I'm talking like I'm almost turning 42 and I feel it, right? I'm like, things aren't getting better already. They're getting worse. All right, I got an amen. Good. So the second application question is really simple. As you live in a body and a world where everything's falling apart, are you longing for heaven? Because it's so easy as stuff is falling apart, like we just put all of our energy into holding it all together. What if we look at all that and say, well, yeah, I expected that to happen. But praise be to God, my hope is not there, that I have an inheritance waiting in heaven for me, kept in heaven for me, that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. This is what we long for. Let's be people, church, who are quick to remember that this world is not our home. We are elect exiles, right? So Pastor Nick didn't tell just personal note for Pastor. I'm just telling you, I'm just, like I'm sharing your news, Pastor Nick and Jen. They're becoming homeowners this week. That's exciting for them. But, like, pretty soon you'll be welcome to, like, I don't want to deal with this right now. Well, you have to because you own the thing, right? There's just going to be stuff. When we own stuff in this world, we just, like, we have to do stuff that we don't want to do, right? So our hope needs to be less and less fixed on what we have in front of us that is perishable, defiled, and fading. And more and more, we want to become people who look at everything in ourselves in this world and long for heaven more and more. So that we would be people who know that even if I leave this earth without a penny to my name, in a body racked with pain and problems, that the moment I die, I will be in my eternal home with Jesus, receiving my inheritance that has been kept in heaven for me, that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. So, Let's be people who stand in these fading bodies and look at a crumbling world and say with Peter, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then finally, point four from verse five. Really, it's a mixture of present and future things here, but I hadn't covered present yet, so I just stuck with present in the outline. Back on Easter, when we looked at 1 Corinthians, we noted that our salvation is a past, present, and future reality. The gospel, remember, is something we receive, something to which we hold, and something by which we are being saved. Well, there's a future note in here in verse 5 as well. Notice how it ends. It says, for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Right? So talking about that future aspect of our salvation. That will be a glorious day when we are forever with Jesus, but we're not there yet. So then we have this glorious truth about what's happening in the present. Look at the beginning of verse 5. Beginning of verse 5 says this, Who, by God's power, are being guarded through faith. Who, by God's power, are being... This is what's happening in the present. For all who have been born again, 
according to his mercy, those who he has caused to be born again through faith in Jesus, through faith he is guarding. And, and again, the good news, over and over in this passage, we're seeing the emphasis on what God has done. He has caused us to be born again. He is keeping our inheritance in heaven. He is the one using his power to guard us. And we say for all of that, praise God, I'm so thankful that it's not all dependent on me. And that leads us to our final application question. Am I trusting in God's power? Am I trusting in God's power? There are so many things that can knock us off our feet. So many things in this world that could cause us to be hopeless. A spouse's behavior that never changes. A kid's behavior that never seems to change. Our own behavior that never seems to change, right? If, if our hope, like we wonder, how, how am I going to hold on till the end? What if things get harder instead of easier? Well, if my hope is in my power to hold on to the end, I'm sunk. I don't know about you. If my hope is in my power to hold on to the end, I'm sunk. So praise God that it is God's power that is guarding us by faith. That, that's why we sing songs. It's good to sing songs alone, and it's good to sing songs together and hear the voices of broken people all around us singing things like we sung earlier this morning. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path, for my love is often cold. He must hold me fast, right? And then we sing this repeated refrain, He will hold me fast, He will hold me fast, for my Savior loves me so, He will hold me fast. And all of this hope is rooted in what has been done in the past, what is being done in the present, and what will be done in the future. So that's why I love this verse. It's about what He's already done. For, this is why we can be assured that He will hold us fast. Listen, for my life He bled and died. Christ will hold me fast. Justice has been satisfied. That's what we sung, talked about last week. He will hold me fast. Raised with him to endless life, he will hold me fast till our faith is turned to sight. He will hold me fast. I don't know when he comes at last, right? It's past, present, and future. Our hope not built on the same things that the rest of the world is hoping in. That bit of holding on until the very end, him holding on to us. One of the things that I've gotten to experience as a pastor is what I would call like a gut-wrenching privilege of watching people suffer and then die. It's happened with people in our church, people whose lives, uh, it's not a quick sudden thing, it's a fading thing filled with pain and suffering. I've seen strong people. You've seen them too, haven't you watched, church? Strong people reduced to very little strength. But I've also seen in their last days, these people not being guarded by their own power because they got nothing left, but people who are guarded by the power of God, and it is so beautiful. So we're going to sing uh, an old song, a song written in the 1800s that the church has been singing for quite some time. And it's a song that has some older language, but... It takes us through a progression of life with this reminder that Jesus is our only hope. And so verse 3 in this song says this, 
I'll love thee in life, I will love thee in death, and praise thee as long as thou lendest me breath, and say when the death dew lies cold on my brow, if ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. Let's pray. God, our lives are filled with circumstances that threaten to strip away our hope. So God, I pray that you would help our hope not to be in those circumstances. I pray that even if things in our lives, I know a lot of people sitting here right now are struggling. We're praying for things to get better. But, but God, I pray that even if things get worse rather than better, that you would help us to be people who live with hope because we have been born again by your great mercy because Jesus was raised from the dead, because our inheritance is being kept in heaven for us, and because even now,